Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 212, 212. It is Brando. Thanks for hanging out for another edition of the AFD show. Last episode, it's very cool. It's another um, interview of mine, with uh, this time with Sully Erna. That got picked up by Loudwire and Blabbermouth and a bunch of different rock outlets. Uh, and it was talking about how there may be a, a Godsmack double album this year. So that, uh, that news was on, on my podcast and it's great to know that these outlets are, are paying attention. Obviously Sully Erna commands a lot of attention in the rock world. Uh, but in our world, I don't know, this guy is, is way more important in, in our world. And I, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't think, uh, Sully was, are they a Grammy award-winning band, Arian? I, I don't Maybe they are, but you're Grammy nominated. So that makes you a little bit more important. A little bit more special. I, at least, you know what? You were you you lost a Grammy to Weird Al Yankovic, right? I did, yeah. So to me, there is you are the cream of the crop as far as guests go. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's almost as good as winning losing to Weird Al. Exactly. Actually, I have a funny story about that whole thing. Sure. So uh, before we, we do that, let me just as I awkwardly introduce people as I normally do. Uh, Arian is Arian Bueller. Ladies and gentlemen, is on, on the podcast again. Uh, the brilliant artist uh, in in uh, in charge of many of the uh, the Guns N' Roses lithographs during the, not this lifetime tour, uh, the Shadow of Your Love uh, lyric video, the box set, which leads us now to the story because you were nominated for a Grammy for the box set, uh, the, the design because you were the artistic director for that, right? I was yes, I was one of them. Okay. Um, there's a couple of us. So well, how did the, uh, tell me the Weird Al story. So, yeah. So we got the nomination, which was amazing. And, uh, you know, an experience that, uh, you know, I didn't expect. And, you know, not many people get that opportunity. So it was really sort of surreal and bizarre, uh, but great. And also, yeah, to be nominated next to Weird Al was, uh, its own thing in, in, in sort of in its own way. So after we, after we, um, lost to him, <laughs> we were, uh, we, we decided to go to get some food, um, at this restaurant kind of right in that area. Uh, cause it was, it was just sort of, we we're just sort of trying to digest the whole thing. And, uh, we're sitting there having some food and one of the people at our table, um, had walked, uh, I think they went to the bathroom or something and on their way back, there was a table, like a couple of tables over from us and, uh, they're Patton Oswalt. I don't know if you know who he yeah, is. Yeah. Funny guy. Funny comedian. Yeah. 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 So he was sitting at that, at the table, a couple of tables away from us. And, uh, I noticed the person, one the person that was sitting at our table talking to him and, uh, and then 
so he came, he ends up coming over to our table and he was super cool. And he was like, you know, don't feel bad. It's, it's totally cool. He's like, actually, I think he said, you know, a number of years ago, I lost to Weird Al <laughs> in a, in his, in a comedy album. He had put out a stand up uh, comedy album and he lost in his category to Weird Al. So it was, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, so that, and I don't think he really expected to lose a comedy album to Weird Al either. Um, so that was a, that was cool. And he was a really nice guy and it kind of like lightened the whole mood that we had going on. So that's really we all cool. Appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. Patton Oswald is awesome. Like he's, he's, yeah, he's great. His stand up is great. Obviously King of Queens and Ratatouille. I mean, I wonder, is he a Guns N' Roses fan? We got to get him on the show. Maybe if we get Patton Oswald, have Arian Bueller as my co-host. Let's see if we can make that happen. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'll put it out into the uh, into the universe. Uh, but that's just one of the what I really when I think about you, and I'm thinking about. I mean, it's made it sound creepy. When I'm thinking about you, when I'm thinking about you, <laughs> as far as you know, knowing that I was going to talk to you on this podcast again. Uh, I just think about your journey and how you, you know you were in that position to win a Grammy that you get to have you know a conversation with Patton Oswald, you know one of the top comedians in the world, and you know just that whole night together and where you came from being raised by Rastafarians and just kind of you know uh, being involved with the the Marley family and it's just like wow how did how so you must sit back like that often. No, because sometimes even me, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm talking to even now something as simple as I'm talking to the guy who designed the posters on my wall right now. That's pretty cool. But you, I mean, do you, do you think about that a lot? Do you think about kind of your, your upbringing often or are you kind of just future go mode and, and you're just, you know, live in the now? Um, I wish I lived more in the now than I actually do. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, yes, I do think about it quite a bit, actually. I, you know, that, uh, that period in my life was, uh, significant for me. So, um, so I reflect on it quite a bit and I still have friends in that live in Jamaica that are Jamaican. And, um, so talk to them fairly regularly and I go back, you know, not as much as I'd like, but I do spend time down there. Um, and so, yeah, um, that whole experience was something that most people never get the opportunity to do. So, um, you know, my dad was, my dad, I didn't, I lived there with my mom. My parents had separated at that point, but uh, my dad was sort of the catalyst for the whole Jamaica thing. When, when I was, before I was even born, he went down there and uh, he ended up meeting a Rasta, an old Rasta man that was, this was in like 19, early 70s, 1971 or something like that. Um, and so he met this old Rasta and my dad had long hair at the time. And that was sort of this Rasta went and introduced himself because he'd never seen a white guy with long hair before. <laughs> uh, and so that was like a big deal for the, for the Rasta man. So, you know, the whole Rasta thing is you, you know, it's, you, you have power in your hair. And so, um, kind of like a Samson thing. So, oh. um, yeah. And so, it was a big deal for the, for the Rasta to see this white guy with long hair. And so they kind of hit it off. And then, and then my dad and then ended up moving to Jamaica, uh, in his, in the mid like 70, 
72, 73. He, he moved there as a, you know, young, in his early 20s. Um, and then they ended up, my mom moved with him and they ended up sort of being this whole hippie community kind of thing going on down there. And they all overstayed their visas. They, they burned their visas and overstayed them. And then, and then they ended up getting deported. It was this whole crazy story. And this is, I was supposed to be born there, but they got deported before I was actually born. Um, and then they were told never to go back and they were like, yeah, right, whatever. And so years later, my mom moved me and my brother down there. Uh, and, um, it was total culture shock situation. Um, I, uh, cause I'd come, I was actually, I was born in New Jersey and sort of had a normal upbringing, you know, fairly normal, you know, friends and cable TV and skateboards and, you sure. know, going to the beach and stuff. Um, Jersey and then sure. we moved there. Yeah. And then we moved there and it was, yeah, kind of the Jersey shore thing. Uh, and then we moved there and it was, it was no running water, no electricity up in the mountain, in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. Um, just at like, it was, I was literally one day living in New Jersey and this was in fifth grade, middle of fifth grade. The next day I was in Jamaica in a dirt floor hut, um, with, a total stranger that I couldn't understand, this old Rasta man, um, his super thick accent. And, uh, you know, and that was going to be my life from that, from that point on. It wasn't like I was on vacation or, you know, this was like a thing that we were doing for a week. It was like, we were living there now. That um, is, that's just like, it's insane. And I, I know we went in depth and the, the, the first time you came on and, but just, you always tell me a little bit more of the story each time around and it just there's, there's have you ever wanted to draw like a, a story like uh, of your childhood because obviously this is I mean I know it's your life and it's easy to sometimes say like oh this should be a movie but that that sounds like a movie it does to, to, like I'm just a Jersey kid I know you you don't seem like a Jersey kid now you're not the Jersey Shore you're you know you, you live in Florida now you have uh braids the way uh, Shannon Hoon used to do his braids um so you don't seem New Jersey but to have like a New Jersey kid being raised in in Jamaica by Rastafarians like there's there's something I mean there is something like maybe comedic there but at the same time that must have been very very scary oh it totally was I mean I, I you know at now I, I there's it, it's sort of uh, fun to look back on and I can laugh about it and ha you know, and, and it was a really, uh, like I said, influential time in my life. And, um, I look back on it really fondly, but at the time I was 10, I was 10 years old. And, um, the first night we got there, it was like, I, I cried myself to sleep. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what we were like, uh, literally in the, like I said, in a, a dirt floor hut that was, you know, maybe 10 by 20. Um, with little kerosene lamp and tr trying to fall asleep. And there was rats running along the rafters of the hut. I could hear him. We could hear him scampering around. Oh my God. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God, what, where, where are we? Like I had no idea what to expect or what this was all going to be. And it turned out to be amazing. You know, I was, I would do homeschooling for three hours a day with my brother and that, and my mom. And then 
we would do the normal sort of homeschool stuff. And then the, another, the, the next three hours of the day, we would spend with James, who was the Rastafarian. And he would take us out into the jungle and show us all the, you know, the fruits that were ripe to eat and when to pick them and, and the animals to, to, to sort of be aware of and stay away from. And so he taught us all the natural sort of surroundings and, um, literally welcome to the jungle. He literally welcomed <laughs> you to the jungle. That's awesome. <laughs> he, he did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was, it was definitely scary, but at first, and then it ended up being a thing that, uh, like I said, I look back on and, um, reflect, you know, really positively about, and that's sort of where the, I mean, there was always music in my house and before, you know, before we moved there, it was always music, you know, uh, playing uh, of some sort, you know, Stevie Wonder and Bob Marley and Traffic and, you know, all kinds of different bands. Um, but the real, uh, that that was so influential on me as far as the reggae thing. and Because um, when I was living there, it was all kind of early dance hall stuff that was starting. And I used to hear it all the time because music is big in Jamaica. You know, anytime you walk down the street, there's music playing and there's, guys rolling out big speakers on the weekends and they have these big dance halls on the weekends and they play music plays all night. Um, so it was, you know, that had a large effect on me too. Just always having, I think it really sort of influenced my interest in music. I never played music or anything, but uh, always just been inspired by it. And it also makes me think of just how you handle yourself as a person, in addition to, you know, your, your career where it got kicked off your passion for music. So living in a hut, quarantine must be a cakewalk for you. Like you can, <laughs> right? So before, I mean, because this is the most important question I want to ask you, like you're, how is everything, you know, in your neck of the woods? Are you, I know you're in Florida. That's uh Sometimes that's a curse word to say <laughs> here in the States, you know. Uh, but, you know, obviously I'm, I'm in, here in New York. It was really bad for a while. You know, my listeners know my story that I've been feel, feel, feeling my quarantine, doing podcasts from my, my apartment in Woodside, Queens for a while. And I'm very, very lucky I can work from home. Uh, there are a lot of my radio brethren that have been let go from a variety of stations and companies. Uh, because everybody's hurting. It's all, um, it's not just radio. It's, it's all fields. Obviously, you're aware of that, um, working in music and in tours being canceled, but I'm lucky with my specific job, I can still do it. How about you? Because I, I thought about it, obviously, when I think about you, uh, <laughs> you, you have all these, I don't know where you were as far as this summer. Were you working on lithographs? Like what? What happened? Like, where were we, where were you when this all went down, and how have you been uh, handling it? Uh, yeah, um, I, like you said, sort of the. Uh, in a way, I, I've been sort of unwittingly preparing for quarantine. It seems like most of my life, actually. Yeah, me too. So, as an introvert, yeah. Huh. Right, I'm sort of introverted also, and then, you know, the Jamaica thing, and then I've been a freelance designer for 20 years now, and I've always worked at home. Um, okay. I never went into an office kind of thing. I was just been a freelance guy. And so, uh, I've been working by myself forever. So it's a completely, it's basically the same as it's been for me for the last 20 years. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> there's really no difference, honestly. Uh, I mean, there's difference because my, my son's home all the time and my wife's home. 
he's not working now. And so, um, that's different. So we're all kind of, you okay, know, sure. like in the same, same space together, which is a little bit of a challenge, but, um, but yeah, so when it all started, I, I was, I was working on lithographs and, um, fortunately I got to do the last, uh, lithograph, the one that happened in Mexico, uh, yeah. for Guns N' Roses. Um, I was able to do that design, which was cool. And then it was sort of shut down. It was like the last, like the last concert in the world. And then that, and then it was over. Um, and so I'm still working, uh, but it's not on, it's not on any tour stuff. It's all sort of shifted gears towards, you know, e-commerce kind of, um, you know, specialty stuff. And, uh, so, you know, limited edition kind of thing for different, for different groups and, um, you know, anniversary kind of stuff for different groups. And, and so, um, I, I've been fortunate to stay busy, but it's definitely shifted gears from, from all the tour stuff and lithographs. And okay. So all right. hope, hopefully that comes back soon. Sure. No, but, but busy is good. Like it's just shifting gears in your field that you're able to still work. Uh, before I forget this question, and I also want to credit it, this is uh, he's a big GNR collector, Alex Mendoza from uh, LA. He wants to know because you obviously designed the the last Guns N' Roses lithograph. Uh, were there any designs that you were working on for future shows this year that were supposed to happen that perhaps were canceled? Yeah, quite a few actually. Yep. Oof. So uh, are those? I don't know. If, I don't know if those will ever see the light of day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Alex, I, I bet he's somewhere. He's like, oh, my God, I must buy them. <laughs> if you ever see the light of day. Wow. Okay. That answers the, that question. Um, I mean, I hope they do in some facet, whether they're forever uh, an official release or you put them up on your Instagram one day. Um, or maybe they'll, they'll they'll die with you in your grave. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do with them. But interesting. Very, uh, very interesting. Um. I wanted to also ask about, okay, actually, no, this is where my, my, my brain is going now because this is all quarantine. I said, thankfully I can still work. So I'm still making money, uh, but I'm not spending it like a lot of people. That's why the economy is obviously suffering. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to concerts. I'm not driving to work. I'm not spending money in, on gas. So I'm like, I want to, I want to spend something that I'm going to enjoy in my home. And uh, thankfully, my girlfriend and I, we moved to Queens in September, last September, before all this happened. So, you know, slowly but surely, we're, we're putting people big into music. You know, I've often said on this show, she's a huge Dave Matthews fan. Uh, as we're recording this tonight, I'm going to be treated to another live performance, or at least a, a, a live uh, a, a rebroadcast of a, of a show, an old show, I guess, from last year or years prior. Dave Matthews does this every Wednesday. Uh, GNR does not. Uh, that's another story. Uh, so half the wall is like Dave Matthews posters. And I'm like, I only have the, the Guns N' Roses poster, the lithograph, yours, that you designed from Madison Square Garden. You, it was a, a trio of shows, and you did uh, the, the Gangs of New York theme. And I have the, the Duff and McKagan, uh Gangs of New York. And it was cool because it means a lot because, A, that was my... To me, that's like my first like legitimate poster that I've ever bought that wasn't from Hot Topic or something. Like this is like a, a, a piece of art. And you know, Pink came out, so it was like a, a special show to remember. 
So as I've been doing also this podcast from home for a while, and next time we got to do a Zoom call, you and I, if we, if we, if we ever need a visual, obviously it's for the, litho, lithograph, the lithograph guy, if I could say it. Uh, but as you mentioned, you're, you know, working, you know, your shared space with your wife. So I know things are a little bit chaotic uh, at home right now uh, as far as neat, uh, neatland. What is it? Neatland? I don't know what word I'm going for. As far as uh, cleanliness is concerned. Uh, but I, I needed to add more Guns N' Roses stuff. So I, the last concert that I went to was last October, Austin City Limits, uh, Austin, Texas. They had lithograph, uh, of course. I don't believe you, you did that one. But I didn't buy it, not because of that, <laughs> but because I didn't want to carry it through a, a field of the festival. So I'm like, you know, maybe I'll buy that one now that I'm at home. Uh, I go online. Obviously, it's up in, up in price, twice the price, triple the price. I'm like, uh, it's not worth it. Where I could have had it for 50 it's, I don't know. I w- also wasn't like in love with the design for me to spend that kind of money on it, other than the fact that I was there, you know? So I'm like, you know what? Let me see what Arian is up to. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to be a nice guy. I'm like, this, is he working right now? Like all these concerts are canceled. I'm like, you know, it, in my head, it was like supporting a local business. That's what they say. Uh, now with all these, like, you know, support local businesses because restaurants are hurting and everything. So I'm like, I want to support my, my local lithograph guy or something like that. So I, I contacted you if you had any extras you'd be willing to sell me. And you gave me the, which you don't have many of them. You, uh, we, we came to the agreement that uh, Hawaii was the best one. Initially, I looked at Chicago because that's where my girlfriend's from. And your designs for that are amazing, especially the gangster one. But the, the actually head of Hawaii of the hula girl is sick. And you were nice enough to autograph it for me. It's right behind me. I know you can't see it now because we're over the phone, but it's right behind me. And, uh, and, and yeah, so that's what I, I've I've wanted to get you back on the on the show because I I've been sharing you know pictures of the lithograph and you know this is just a, it's a real big passion for Guns N' Roses fans these posters and it, it's does it still kind of amaze you do do is it the same passion of any other band that you work with the Stones Bob Marley is is it all the same are the people that passionate about your work or is it something specific about the the GNR fan that we seem to be licking our chops wanting these. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, the Guns N' Roses fans definitely seem to be the most passionate about it, um, which is really, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. Uh, they definitely see, and I, I think something, you know, has to do with the fact that uh, Guns N' Roses themselves have been really, um, great about letting the artists, you know, guys like me and some of the other people that have designed these things, they give us a lot of freedom to do, um, what we think might work, you know? Um, and so I think that maybe that translates. Uh, and so, uh, so I think it helps with every, you know, sort of with everything, the fans, Maybe, like I said, maybe that translates and that's why the fans are as into them as they are. I'm not sure, you know, that's just a, a guess, but um, it definitely seems like the GNR group of people that are into the lithos um, are definitely passionate about it. I mean, you know, I get messaging, I get messages about the stone stuff too, but it's, it's a different thing with, with Guns N' Roses, definitely. 
I'm telling you, I'm just going to read a few of the comments that I got. This is the the great Brandino, which is not me, somebody else. Uh, your designs are brilliant, uh, he said. Uh, which, who else I wanted to read? Uh, this is uh, Alma from Toronto. Love his work. It's so meaningful. She was hoping to, she wants to know if you'll post the, uh, the Toronto one on Instagram. She couldn't find it to, to, to check it out. But they're all on litherati.com. That's, that's actually a, an awesome uh, site that, they, it's, that does like a really good job of, it's like a database of all the lithographs and of the artists and everything. Uh, so I, I, I guess I have to, to ask, because this was, was like the number one question. Uh, you don't like have them for sale. You know, I kind of got lucky with you, you know, that you had extras of Hawaii and you, I don't know, you were, I guess, doing me a favor, um, if, if I may say that, uh, because you don't often do that. Uh, because you told me off the air, you want to pass these all down to your children. So maybe huh, tell us about like, when you put it, when these lithographs come out, like what's the process? Like once you, you design them, they go to the band. Like, can you kind of just take us through, you know, maybe the beginning? Cause we've, we've dived deep, uh, we've dove deep in some of the research uh, for specific lithographs. And I know you do them uh, according to the city, but when you uh, draw them, the pen and paper, like what's the next thing in like the montage, like it's pen and paper or is it on a computer next? And then, it goes to a printing company, then the band. Like, how can you take us through? Because obviously, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's the process. Is it start, generally starts with with a pen and paper sketch idea, um, and it, you know, even before that, it just starts with a bunch of research, like that one comment. You know, uh, I, I really appreciate that it says something about them being meaningful. Um, I'm glad that that translates because I do a lot of homework before I really start my, uh, you know, start my sketches. I do a lot of homework and try to, and I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, try to do something that connects with the local area and the band. And so, so, you know, everybody's interested in a way, you know, that's going to be, not everybody, but the people that are interested in the, in the actual lithos, um, you know, it represents their area, their city, or, you know, something specific to that region. Um, sure. So, so that, so yeah, so it begins with that and then it goes to a sketch and then generally speaking, it, and then it goes into the computer. Like I'll, I'll, I'll scan it in and, and, and then work from there. And then once I get them basically completed, um, and they'll be sent off to uh, the, basically the management, band management, and then they'll they'll approve it or not approve it. Um, and then once it goes from there, if it gets approved, then it gets printed either if, if you know depending on where it is, you know if it's not in the states that you know the time frame is usually kind of tight, and so it'll get printed overseas somewhere potentially, um, whether it's you know Europe or. Uh, Asia or something. So, um, so I don't, you know, once it, once it sort of leaves my hands, I don't have much control over, I mean, you know, we'll talk about some of it. Sometimes they'll be screen printed. Sometimes they'll have glow in the dark stuff. Sometimes they'll, you know, have a couple of extra things, but once it leaves my, once it leaves my hands, it's sort of, uh, out of my control. Have you ever had, uh, a design that 
was rejected that you really wish wasn't? Um, yeah, not, not really from Guns N' Roses. Like I said, they've been really cool as far as letting me and the other artists have freedom and I, you know, to sort of do what we think might work. Um, and that's really kind of rare, honestly, um, to have that, to have a, a band allow it, you know, allow someone like me to do that. Some of them, you know, a lot of them, for, at least in my experience, it's been rare. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of those bands, they have, they want a lot of control over what's going to be done. Um, so, um, but it hasn't been like that for them. But so with Guns N' Roses, I haven't really had much, uh, that I felt like I really wanted, you know, I, I really wished would have, um, been chosen and wasn't. Um, I have it for other bands, but not really from them. Okay. Okay. I, I guess people want to know if there's other ones on the cutting room floor since there's such a, uh, a demand for them. So, I mean, there definitely are. Yeah, there definitely are. So then let, let me ask is because I, I obviously don't know the logistics behind it and the business behind it since, you know, people wish they could buy them from you and there's a limited amount, you know, you, and you're, you're not the manufacturer, but you, you are the artist. Is there something to, Hey, I can recreate this poster, but make it, I, I would, like, are you able to do that? Are you able to say to GNR, Hey, can we make 50 more? of these since uh, there's such a demand or what if I, I, I came out with wallet size lithographs, you know, that I can sell. So it's, is there, is there any sort of idea with that? Or is it just like, you know, if you don't get the, the 50 that are made, you're out of luck and it, it, it just is what it is. And it's, you know, the story ends there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's been some, a little bit of talk about that, you know, potentially doing like a variant of, or, you know, of a few select designs, but nothing's ever, I, I haven't, I, you know, I haven't pursued it very much. And, um, and so that, you know, like I have, like I said, really haven't traveled down that road very much. Um, I'm conflicted about it because I think doing extras made sort of, affect the value of some of those, mm. you know, some of the, the original ones, I wouldn't, of course, I would, if they ever did come out, something ever did come out, it would be a variant. So the colors would be different or, you know, it wouldn't be the, the same poster that's available at, at the show, but right. You know, so, um, so if it ever was to happen, it would, like I said, it would be something slightly different, but I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's worth it to me. Um, okay. And I don't know if, if, you know, honestly, I don't know if Guns and you know if the management would even be cool with it or not. Uh, who knows? They uh, they sell a lot of stuff <laughs> from trucks to <laughs> to to anti yeah. uh, Donald Trump T shirts. Uh, they they sell a lot of stuff. So so who knows? But I just want to you know get an idea of what ideas may have been kicking around because you know there's a reason why I have such a visual guest on my show. I think this might have been this might be the fourth time. Because people, it does, it's not that, that's like one example that I read that these are meaningful posters. There's just something different about these, your drawings. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to get a Guns N' Roses poster. It's going to be awesome and rule. No, it's even with this, with the, the hula girl. It's like, whoa, this is, there's like, there's a depth, 
uh, to it, which is why um, I, a couple things. Uh, how, how much did I wish that you did more? And I want to know if there, there were any talks of more uh, lyric videos because the shadow of your love uh, lyric video, you know, it's, it's, it seems very simple. You know, it's not like it's a whole story. It's a, uh, almost like a, a gif in a way where it's like the, the, the movement's kind of limited, but it, you don't notice it because it's so video game style and it looks like a lithograph come to life, honestly. So, uh, you may, I'm not, correct me, if, you may have told us the story last time about Shadow of Your Love. I don't know if you did, but if you can quickly, quickly kind of retell it. And, and also if there have been talks of any other videos down the road. There have there has not been any other talks, at least with with me, about doing uh, any other videos with art that I've done or been asked to do. Okay. Um, my experience with that was kind of a one time thing, and it was, you know, related to the box set, and um, which was, uh, you know, uh, for me was a really cool experience to just be able to you know to be sort of asked to, you know, contribute in any you know in any way really. So. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's, there hasn't been any other talks about that, but uh, if there was, I would definitely be more than willing and, you know, uh, happy to, to do something new. Um, All of us, so, sure, okay. All of us would be. Um, then, okay, well, well fair enough. Uh, but if you kind of, how did that, that, so that came along with the box set, that's how the conversation uh, happened, right? Yeah. Okay, yep. so you told me a little bit off the air, but I, I kind of put a pin in it because I'm like, I, I want to be, I want the whole story on on the on the podcast, of course. Tell us about creating the pod, uh, the uh, the box set that happened in an RV with your family. <laughs> that's oh, uh, yeah. That sounds like another movie. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was more, kind of like a horror movie, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at least for me, it was okay. Um, I mean. I was, I only had, I only had a certain part, in, you know, in the box set. Uh, there was other people working on it that did a lot of other things too, you know? So like I said, I, I have, a, I had a, a certain part in creating those, that, that artwork for it. Um, but yeah, I just so happened to be my, you know, since I can work from anywhere and I've been working at home forever, uh, my wife was like, why don't we live in an RV? And, and, uh, you know, you can just work from wherever we are. And I thought, <laughs> I thought that actually sounds like maybe that'd be cool. Um, we could try it out. You know, I, I can't wait to hear the rest of this. Cause my girlfriend just said the same thing. She's like, well, you can work from anywhere now. Let's just travel. So go ahead. Tell me, like, let me know the nightmare so I can, I can say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, so I started doing a bunch of research on, you know, uh, traveling in RVs and what the life would be like. And, you know, there's a, a lot of young people doing it. And I was like, Oh, this is probably going to be kind of cool. And I couldn't, I could only find positive information about it. So mm. I was like, wow, I guess this is, you know, people really are into this. Like, you, you know, you're going to be in the, you know, in the Arizona desert looking at these amazing, you know, red mountains and in these amazing sunsets and, and it's going to be inspiring and you'll come up with great work. And mm. so I was like, yeah, let's, let's give it a go. Um, so I couldn't find anything negative about it. And, but then when I got on the road, I was like, this, this is not for me personally. Like, um, it's just, 
constantly on the go for me. It was, I, it was like, you never know where you're going to be. I mean, you know, you kind of plan out where you're going to be. Right. But you don't, but you'll get there and you'll, you know, you're either at some sort of RV site, which is strange to begin with. Um, <laughs> so, or you might be at a state park, which are, is cooler. You know, that, it's a little more nature oriented and, you know, you get a little more, you know, it's not just like a bunch of RVs packed in a parking lot. Um, cause that's not very inspiring. Mm. Uh, so, but the thing for me was that you're constantly on the go. Like you'll get to wherever you are, right. And you'll spend a week there. And then just as you're starting to learn where you can get gas and where you can get food and maybe a restaurant or two, you just starting to get familiar with the place. Then you're on the, you're on to the next spot. And so you constantly never know where you are. Um, and for me, I didn't think about that and no one ever said anything to me about it. Um, but you take for granted, like knowing where your grocery store is in your town, in the town that you live in, you know, like, well, you know, I'm just going to go up to the grocery store or I'm going to go get gas here. or I'm going to go, we're going to go to our favorite restaurant or, you know, um, and it might be fine for a month or two, but we did it for close to a year. Ooh. Uh, and by the time we were done, I was like, I don't care. Like it could be the most amazing, like, we can have the, like around the next corner could be the most amazing view I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't care. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Like, I just want to go. I just don't want to be doing this anymore. Cause there's also, you know, you're dealing with like your sewage all the time and you know, you're, you're so you're having to fuck with that all, you know, on a regular basis. And is it going to be freezing cold outside and is the furnace working? And like, so there's, you're kind of, you know, you're living in a house, but it's on the road. You have everything that you kind of own and you've, families with you say me too i'm concerned about their well-being um so i guess what it turns out to be is i'm not a very nomadic person like i kind of like to be in a spot with a routine and if if you're if you, if that's the kind of person you are then living on the road not nah, i wouldn't <laughs> recommend it so where did you find a space to to work on the, the box set designs. Like how did that come? Like, did you have, yeah, your own, so, yeah. Did you have to go in a bunk bed in, in the RV? Like what, how, like how did you do it? Yeah, kind of in a way. So there was, uh, was our, the room like that I, me, me and my wife had a room and then my son had a little, like he had a little pullout bed that was like kind of in the living room sort of slide out area. And so every day I would, convert the bedroom into this little office and then close this little like you know paper door basically and they would go out and have all these amazing experiences like in the uh, uh, you know in the in new orleans or in texas or arizona or california and i would be stuck in the rv uh you know working all day on trying to you know be creative and uh, come up with something great for the box set um, so that's, wow. that's, that was basically how it went. And I, and I was, uh, you know, the, I was working with the company when I was working with them, they were all based on the East coast. So a lot of the time I, we were on the West coast. So I would start work at seven o'clock in the morning, every morning. So I'd have to get, they'd have to be up and out and I'd have to convert the room into the office. And then I'd have to be working by seven. So I was kind of on schedule with them and, uh, yeah, 
so I was, it was, a, it was a real challenge. I mean, you, you, you met the challenge. I mean, you, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's what my wife, that's what my wife said. She's like, well, you know, you, you might not have gotten nominated for a Grammy if you weren't struggling on the road, like as a struggling artist. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Right. It, it was meant to be, but uh, obviously you're not going to do that again. <laughs> you'll, you'll I mean, I would maybe do it again if I'm some, you know, if I'm retired old guy and I don't have any responsibility and we can just go wherever we want. Okay. Maybe I would do it again, but with deadlines and something like that, you know, that trying to put that box set together and also doing, I did the three LA posters. Um, yeah. The one, like the, the ones with, of the, of the guys, uh, of the band members. Yeah. Those are the only, are those the only ones that were uh, of different size? They're like longer, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought that would be cool. They were kind of, um, the last of the tour. And I thought they were kind of based off of old Hollywood sort of since they were in LA, I was like, well, I'll base them off of old Hollywood posters. And some, they were different, like some of those Hollywood posters were a different size. So that's where that idea came from. Oh, but, cool. And that's why, that's why they are a different size. But I was, we were on the, I was on the road drawing. I was in Tennessee actually drawing, drawing. I remember being specifically where we were drawing, um, the, the splash one. Uh, so, yeah. So I had that, I had all those deadlines on top. And also I had the deadlines for the box set at the same time. Uh, so, and then being on the road, you know, trying to, so we I would work all week. And then on the weekends I, we would, you know, I would drive like a crazy person to try to get to the next, <laughs> the next spot and get set up and then start work again. Jeez. I mean, that sounds like a lot, uh, a lot more stressful than it should have been, but, um, it's behind you yeah, the, and the, successful. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea was romantic and sort of sounded really cool. Like, yeah, you know, I, I was, I was on board, you know, when, when we're sort of thinking about, and that, like you said, it kind of can, everybody working from home now can kind of think like, yeah, well I could work from the road. If I'm working from home, I can work from anywhere as long as I have internet connection and a, and a cell phone, right. you know, I, I'm good. Uh, and so, Maybe you could, but from my experience with, with the kind of work that I do, um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I, I gotcha. And, and my argument is like, I, I just don't know about the bathroom situation. I, I, sometimes I need to go in the office for a while and I don't want to deal with that. You know, I, 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 oh, I, man, I, I want real plumbing. <laughs> yeah, the bathroom situation is not cool. Uh, and it was not cool like trying to... You know, you take trying to take a shower, and you might run out of hot water. And then oh God! Some, sometimes you're taking showers at like the state park. Like, so I'd be taking a shower with my son, like trying to, you know, in some random state park at like, you know, you're wearing your, you know, your flip flops because you don't want to be on some public bathroom taking a shower. You don't know what you're, you know, you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, you don't I don't need that. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. So you're dealing with all that stuff that no one ever talks about. They're just, they just talk about the amazing parts of all of it, but there's a lot of parts that you deal with that. All right. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, this has been, uh, this has been fun, man. Catching up with you. I'm glad you're, you're doing all right. Cause it, it's, like I said, it was a genuine thought where I'm like, you know, I want, I want to buy something from Arian, not just because it's from Arian and, and just the, the symbolic uh, memorabilia aspect of it, but you're a nice guy who comes in my podcast and you answer questions from fans. And I'm like, is he, 
I didn't ask you this because it would, it would have been inappropriate, but like, I, I'm like, is he hurting? You know, as far as uh, financially, because he's not making these. I didn't know. I mean, I'm glad obviously you're okay, but I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to spend a lot of money, let me give it to uh, a good dude. And uh, I appreciate the uh, the drawing that you put in there. It was like a nice drawing on um, uh, oh, yeah. like a flowery skull, like skull, like a um, Day of the Dead kind of uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, any. What made you do that? I mean, it's, it's right now it's up. I have, I said like a, uh, earlier, I have like a bunch of shit on my walls, obviously with your posters and Team Matthew's crap, but I have like a folder, uh, a shelf of all my toys as a child. Uh, and it's, it's in there with like my Homer Simpson and uh, Spider-Man and old starting lineup collectibles. So it's on display That's as well. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, sometimes I'll do these little sort of, one line drawings where you never lift the pen, you never lift the pen or paint pencil up. It's just sort of all one continuous line. Oh, wow. Um, so that's what that drawing is. And I, I'll do those sometimes just to, you know, for if I send something out, which I rarely do, like, like we talked about, cause I just don't have many. Um, and, uh, and I'm keeping them mostly for my kids. And, um, cause if I did sell some of the ones that I have off then it's, you know, I get a little bit of money, but then they're, they're gone forever, you know? So, um, but yeah, so sometimes when I'm, if I do send something off, I'll just do one of those little drawings just as like a thank, just as like a thank you to, you know, whoever, whoever it's going to. Well, thank you. That's very cool. I didn't know that it was a one continuous line. That's pretty, that's, that's badass, man. Jeez. I, I wish I was talented like you. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, can't, I can't wait to see, I mean, for people to just look at your work right now, follow, uh, Arian Bueller on Instagram and I hope we get to see your work uh, sooner rather than later. I know it's very weird with concerts, uh, how it's going to be going forward. I, I think there was this, I just shared it from a ultimate classic rock. Where was it in like the UK? They're having these separated concerts where you have these raised, yeah, UK socially distanced concert venue. Uh, they're, they're these segregated platforms uh, that are raised up off the grass that are, kind of uh, separated by, you know, piping or whatever, just like gated off. And oddly enough, that's kind of how I watched my last concert when I said I went to Austin City Limits because that's how they did handicap seating. They were just kind of like in a gated off, you know, platform in the middle of the field, you know, that were just meant for handicap people. Uh, but now apparently concerts are going to be like that. But Either way, if oh, concerts wow. return, hopefully your you know merchandise is the same. See, that's something. You know what? Now that I say that, how is that going to be? How are we going to socially distance going to the merch table? <sighs> yeah, that's a good question. Fuck, man. Fuck COVID. Yeah. Fuck. COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are they going to have? Are they going to have like yeah, six like markers for every six foot? I, I yeah, I don't know. You hopefully, know. it comes back before too long because I'm definitely um, ready to start doing more posters again and i appreciate you thinking about me like wondering if if i was doing okay because you know uh, it is definitely a strange time and um you know some people have like you said lost lost jobs and and not sure you know where their next sort of paycheck is going to come from and uh, i'm thankful and grateful and lucky that i'm still doing work and it's definitely shifted gears and slowed down a bit but um but you know still still moving forward well, I'm glad to hear that part of it. And, and obviously, we'll, we'll have you on again. And uh, hopefully next time, it'll be talking about live concerts. 
you know, so that we can all That'd be great. enjoy that again. <laughs> well, Arian, yeah. uh, thank you so much. And that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Wherever you listen, however you listen, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, SoundCloud, you can always leave a comment, uh, a question uh, also for not just about the podcast, but for Arian going forward. You know, if you, if you don't want to hit him up, if you don't have Instagram, if you want me to ask him a question uh, for you about a specific city or something like that. Uh, in the meantime, what guests are to come? Well, the best way to find that out is on social media, uh, Facebook, t- uh, Twitter, Instagram. That's how Ari and I, uh, we're, we're Biffles on that. I'll never say Biffles again. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and so until next time, when are you going to see the next episode? The same way, in the same vein as concerts. Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.